Welcome to Burned by the Firewall, an Occamsec podcast. And welcome back to another season. That's right, season three, in fact, of Burned by the Firewall. Uh, I'm excited to welcome in a new co-host this season. He hails all the way from north of the wall, where winter is always coming, and that is Darren Anderson. Darren, welcome. Hello. Thank you, Mike. It is a pleasure to be here. Right on. And I think we are equally excited to welcome our CEO, Mark Stanford, to the show. So, Mark, welcome, sir. Thank you, Mike. I'm happy to be here with you and Darren. Mark. I believe it's been some time since you appeared on this podcast many moons ago. I imagine you've been doing things uh, since that time, probably been quite busy. Just wondered to start us off today um, as we go again into Burn by the Firewall, season three. If you could share some highlights uh, the past year or so, either within the business or, or personally. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think from from a business perspective, obviously the the biggest thing has been the the development and the the rollout, at least a stealth mode of our incentive platform. So, I guess over the past few years, more than the past few years, we've we've sort of coalesced around a bunch of ideas about how to make security testing better. So it's sort of you know more cost effective. You get more useful information. It's aligned to the business, and all that stuff sort of has has coalesced in Incenter, the platform that we rolled out. We rolled it out so early last year, and then there's been a number of updates, and now we're on like the latest and greatest version, which actually will come out on stealth mode on May the 3rd. So I think that will uh, I think that will certainly help a lot of organizations of all sizes and really just start to shake up things in security the way that we've always tried to, but now we actually have a bit more capability to do so. Um, elsewhere, I mean, security continues to be nuts, right? So I keep being pulled into lots of conversations, lots of calls, lots of briefings, lots of jumping on lots of planes, which is in some ways nice now. We can get back to doing that. Um, again, the, the, the bad guys in, in air quotes keep, you know, doing more new and interesting stuff that continues to throw up problems that we have to solve and organizations to help. So. I mean, it's been busy, right? I mean, really, I mean, you know, really COVID never slowed down what we did. So the last two and a half years of sort of global pause didn't stop anything. And in some ways, just accelerating, accelerating the work we had to do as more and more bad stuff was happening. And I guess personally, I probably lost more hair. So that, I'm not sure that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's a bad thing, but uh, yeah. <laughs> You still got me beat in the follicle count, Mark, so you're good there. Um, I keep sticking them back in, Mike. That's why. There you go. There you go. Um, I, I think in our excitement to get started with uh, with asking you about sort of where things are, are, you know have gone in this last year, we, we forgot to ask you our, our mandatory icebreaker question. Um, I, I think we've already asked you when you were on, I think, season one, what your favorite piece of uh, childhood technology was, but you're not allowed to say cell phone. You have to tell us what's your favorite piece of like modern day current technology. Is okay. Why? I think my cell phone is the modern day piece of technology that I like the least. So I would never bring that up. I suspect right now, to be honest and somewhat nerdy, it is an analog pocket, which is this uh, retro Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, Neo Geo, Atari Lynx handheld emulator that I finally got 
which I ordered ages ago, uh, which is really cool if you like to play the odd retro video game, which my nostalgia for old games remains. I mean, I don't get a lot of time to play video games, um, but it is really cool because I can play all these old games like I was playing Ghost and Goblins the other day hmm. uh, for anyone who's over the age of 40. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. And it's, it's, it's got a bunch of good features. It also has this music making app. So I can play around with that a little bit as well. But um, that's probably my favorite piece of technology right now. Nice. A unique answer. I, and I appreciate that. And it brings us to, I guess, our next question. And this has to do with the, the, <clears throat> the current space right now in cybersecurity. Uh, you know, you're seeing lots of acquisitions and lots of, of moving pieces. Uh, for example, with Google most recently, right, uh, announcing the purchase of Mandiant for mm-hmm. a tune of $5 billion. You know, what, what do you see or, or what kind of things are, are you hearing as like the main drivers for these trends right now? And, and what does it mean for the industry as a whole? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things, right? So I think the first thing is security is really, uh, really hot, as they would say. Um, so everyone is, is trying to sort of grab more of that market, right? So um, on the one hand, there's just a straightforward economic incentive, right? I'll buy this company. It will increase my revenue by X, which will actually make me worth Y, and everyone will be happy, right? So I think that's going on. I think tied to that is obviously there is such a, a need for security services, right? That if you do sort of acquire some infosec firms, um, it can only boost your your revenue, right? I mean, unless you do something really crazy once you make the acquisition, you're probably only going to increase revenue. I think the other thing as well is, and, and this is being driven a lot by by buyers, right? And certainly in conversations I've had with with CISOs and CFOs and CEOs and everyone who has a C before their title. Um, I think everyone's a bit sick of buying more and more ever thinly sliced security services, right? So, I mean, it's kind of like we're trying to squeeze as much ham off the piece of ham as we can by slicing it ever thinner, right? So, I mean, if you look in every space of security solutions, there's like 20 different things that just do a piecemeal bit. And so I think that some some large organizations especially are sort of realizing what if we if we buy all those pieces and join them together we can just go to someone and say hey instead instead of having to pay an mssp a vulnerability scanner a penetration tester an incident response team a threat hunt team an mdr team blah blah, blah 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 we can just go to one or two vendors right and hopefully they'll they'll create some synergies between their products how many buzzwords can i use in this conversation um and, and, and that can only be beneficial for, for buyers, right? So I think, yeah, if I'm, if I'm Google, I buy Mandiant, I've just increased my service offering. Now I go to a client and say, okay, you don't have to pay for all these extra things for someone else. You can just get it all from me, right? So I think that's what's going on. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, the security industry right now is so, is so overhyped in some ways. Um, that that's undoubtedly driving this as well, right? I mean, private equity is all over it. There's still massive amounts of money from other funding sources pouring into it, right? Because, I mean, it's probably a good bet, right? Unless somebody comes up with the, the hack-proof system, which is not going to happen, 
Um, if you buy a security firm right now, you're probably going to get some good traction out of it for a long time, right? I mean, it's just the, the, the problem is only getting worse because the, the number of devices alone that, that's coming online is just, it's just getting crazy, right? And the, the, the environments are getting ever more complex, right? I mean, 30 years ago, we could breach a system, you know, password is, you know, password one, two, three, I'm in, da, 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 and there's not going to be much that, that gets me off of that. But also it's fairly straightforward to know where I have to go. Now, if you look at a modern environment, right? I mean, it's, it's like a piece of Swiss cheese with all these connections coming into it, right? You've got stuff in the cloud, you've got vendors, you've got supply chain, which are really just other companies that are doing the same thing as you. And it's this giant complex mesh, right? So, I think, yeah, I mean, I think security is a good place to put your, mo your money right now. That's really the, the main driver, right? And, and again, trying to offer folks, you know, here's a one-stop shop or as much of that as I can do so you don't have to go and buy these 20 other solutions that you have to integrate. And, and, oh, you have to pay someone to integrate that into your initial system. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Interesting. I think, um, you know, certainly a lot more, acronyms now than perhaps when I was uh, starting out in information cybersecurity 20 years ago. Yeah. I think a constant um, all the way, you know, back to those days to now is, you know, most organizations, pretty much all organizations are always looking to understand risk, right? And understand where vulnerabilities lie, of course, with often limited budgets, but that need to have assurance around networks, web applications. I guess it means that, you know, our old friend penetration testing is still, you know, a massive part of uh, cybersecurity services. Uh, and I know it's a key area, of course, for, for OccumSec. So how would you say that that area has, has evolved, um, let's say, over the last uh, 10 years or so? Yeah, I mean, I think there have been a number of, of changes, right? So, I mean, I think first and foremost, again, environments are just much more complex, right? I mean, web application stacks, that uh, there's just so many different flavors now. There's so many different technologies that, that, that are being pushed out there. Again, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you'd either run into like IIS or Apache, you know, you might get .NET or Java somewhere, right? Um and now it's just this like smorgasbord of stuff, right? Um, and I think with that, penetration testing has kind of tried to roll with that. But again, this, this, this expanded target space just makes it that much more difficult, right? So what we've seen is, I mean, we've seen, for instance, the rise of crowdsourced penetration testing, right? So kind of like the Uber model for penetration testing, so I'll run a bug bounty, I'll get a thousand people to try and find bugs and they'll find something and report it, right? Which is really useful in a way for the person who runs the app. It's not so good statistically for the 990 penetration testers who don't find anything and don't get paid, right? Because um, if you look at the stats, it tends to be there's about five to 10 folks who, who, who would find in most of the issues, right? Um, and also they're only testing the surface, right? So I think that's still, you know, that has its uses, but I think that's, a, I mean, that was a necessary inevitable outcome for, you know, given the rise of Uber and all these other sort of crowdsource solutions that someone was going to try and crowdsource pen testing. I think you've also got stuff like penetration testing as a service, 
which is a weird acronym in a way because penetration testing was always a service and it's kind of still crowdsourced testing, but it's kind of on demand, but it's not. Um, and then you've got this kind of slow boil in sort of automated continuous testing, right? Which I think is going to be this, this much bigger, more prominent piece of the pie over time, um, just because it's more cost-effective, right? I mean, we're, we're seeing more and more the, not, I mean, the flaws with penetration tests. I mean, it's weird to diss on penetration testing since, you know, we do so much penetration testing. But I think there are clear issues to anyone who's running a large, complex organization, right? I mean, right now, if I do a pen test, you know, if I have done a penetration test last November, giving you a report on, you know, Thanksgiving of last year, two weeks later, most of that was sort of starting to look really old because Log4j was out, your Apache web servers were breaking all over the place. So straight away, there was this stale findings issue, right? So that's that's a problem that, that's been consistent for a while now in pen testing. How do you deal with that? So you can do quarterly penetration testing, right, which some large organizations will do. Um, you can do ongoing continuous penetration testing, right, which we do with some folks as well. Um, but that's really expensive, right? I mean, you know, I mean, compared to just doing a one-off penetration test, right? For any organization that's not a large enterprise, doing continuous pen testing with a team of penetration testers who are constantly banging against your systems, um, it's usually cost prohibitive, right? I mean, so that's a concern. Um, penetration testing resources are tricky to find, right? Good ones are. I mean, I think that the... I mean, really sort of like the exponential growth of the security industry has led to massive amounts of people getting into the industry, which is good. Um, but I'm a sort of firm believer in the 80-20 rule, right? So I think probably 80% of those folks, you know, they can do sort of basic rudimentary low-level stuff, but finding that, that really hard stuff that's going to cost you your organization um, there's still only a small group of people that can find it, right? So I think that what we're seeing is pen, pen testing is evolving. It is recognizing those flaws. It is recognizing the fact that vulnerabilities, or it should recognize the fact, the vulnerabilities need context, right? Um, if I say to you, I found a hole in your web server in this application that you run, it's high risk, go fix it. But then you look into it and the, and, and the application is doing something mundane, it's isolated, it doesn't talk to anything. Is that really high risk? Do I really need to expend resources on fixing that? Um, or is there some other hole elsewhere that if I'm just, you know, going by the book, right, I'm going to give it a medium risk rating. But actually, when I look at the context of what this application is doing, and it's impacted the revenue of the company or just how that company or organization does what it does, um, actually it should be a high to critical issue, right? So I think that the, 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 the industry, the, the services around pen testing, they need to start to shift towards, let's actually give clients information that really helps them make better decisions, right? Because that's really all a pen test ultimately is, right? This is where you should invest your security dollars or pounds um, to have the biggest bang for the buck in securing your organization. And given that these environments are so complex, the more information you can give someone to really come up with a good answer to where do I spend my money, um, that can only be beneficial. So 
I hope that's answered your question. Um, I think pen testing will be around for, for, for a while yet, right? I mean, I've, I've been told of the death of penetration testing every year since 2002. I can, I can categorically talk to that, right? Um, it's going to die. It's going to become commoditized. It's going to be. It's going to go away. Blah, 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 blah. And what's happened is, I think that the, the the industry is split. So there are these sort of mass market pen testing shops out there that 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 will sort of check the box for you and say, yeah, you know, we ran Nessus, we ran Qualys, you, you've got some findings, go fix them. And then there's that sort of more higher level tier of you know what's mostly boutique firms that will actually tell you this is how you're going to wake up and have a bad day when you read the news, right? Um, yeah, so I think it's going to continue to evolve, right? IoT is putting, you know, microprocessors in everything, right? I mean, there are, there are toothbrushes that talk to the internet, right? There's a toilet that talks to the internet, I think, at this point, right? Why you need that, I don't know. I'm sure someone in a marketing division somewhere has an answer to that. Um, so again, this attack surface is just getting bigger and bigger all the time. Um, but I think to become more efficient and actually really provide more benefit to clients, penetration testing organizations are going to have to at least augment what they do manually with, with automated solutions that, that, that just you know save you time, right? Which is what we're doing, obviously. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, right. No, Mark, that's that that's great. And I appreciate that. And I think it's it is a good segue into my next question. And and that sort of is, you know, it's it's hard for people sometimes to conceptualize and, and visualize, if you will, the, the SaaS model and pen testing. And you know, you got these ethical hackers, you know, kind of working on these systems. And and to your point, there's there's lots of different companies doing different levels of of testing. Some people are just running scans and calling it a pen test. And you know that the market is sort of staled on on those types of things, and those types of organizations. So, can you expand for us a little bit more about how Occamsec is approaching this, and in specifically with our product in Center um, that, that you've mentioned is coming out of stealth mode uh, at the beginning of May? Uh, you know, can can you sort of expand upon that specifically for us? I think yeah. I mean, so I think that the only way to really approach a SaaS solution for pen testing, right? is going to be automation of what you can and using some manual testers, right? Um, there's, there's been a lot of talk around, you know, we can use AI for penetration testing, right? I mean, that's, I mean, that's just crap, right? Um, I mean, just to really be blunt on it, right? Um, if you think of sort of like, if you take your, your average environment, I mean, let's not even take the average environment because who knows what that is. Let's say I've got a company of 10 people and each of those people has a desktop, right? Now, anyone's going to say, well, they're all running the same software. I have never seen a company where everyone is running exactly the same software on their desktops, right? So you have all these desktops running all these different configurations, right? Then you have some servers that are either on-prem, in the cloud, somewhere else providing services too. Then you have some kind of network perimeter, right? And then you have the way that the people in that environment are interacting with their computers, right? So what kind of passwords are they using? What kind of data are they storing? Blah, blah, blah. If you just think about how, how many possible options there are just in that 10-person combination, right? It's extremely hard to get an AI of any worthwhile sort of use that can figure all that out, right? There's just so many 
potential configurations, right? So what you need is you need humans who are really good at sort of saying, this is important, this is not, to sift through some of the data and say, this is where we need to focus our, our energies, right? And if you think about it, people do that all the time, right? People are constantly assessing the environment and saying, well, I have 4,000 options, these are the two that I'm really going to focus on, though, right? No matter what that is, right? If it's, you know, where you're going to cross the road, right? Well, there's a car over there, there's a car there, but there's no car there, I'll go across there, right? That's, I mean, that's how simple it gets to us. That's really complicated, though, for a, for a computer to, to, to do, right? So I think that if we take the best that people can, can bring, and we take the best that technology can bring, right? Technology is really good at doing repetitive tasks, right? Testing environments over and over again, using, you know, checks that, that we've built, that someone else has built to see what's there, you know, what's going on, uncover those kind of low-hanging fruit issues, and then using humans to sort of sift through that, work out what's important, and find that complicated stuff. So I think that's what a SaaS solution has to do. I think that I think that if you then add in additional things, like so, for instance, threat intel, right? Um, who's actually going to use this vulnerability? Who might attack my organization? If you can give me that information, that will give me more context that helps me decide this is what I actually need to go into, right? This is the issue I need. I need to fix. If you then bake in. This is the context of my assets. This is how I make my money, or this is how my organization gets funded, or whatever's important to your organization, and that needs to be baked into that solution as well. And then if you start to look at, you know, supply chain, third-party vendor ecosystem, whatever phrase you want to use, I need to bake in that information as well. I've got data in AWS or in Azure or in Salesforce, whatever, right? I've got to somehow bring that to as well. So I think a uh, a really good SaaS solution for penetration testing is going to take the best that that technology can offer and the best that people can bring to it. So people are sort of like, I mean, the icing on the cake sort of downplays the the need for humans to still be involved in this, right? But I mean, that's that's what it needs to be. And then bring in this other information, continuously assess my environment, keep working towards finding those complex vulnerabilities, base it around what's important to my organization, not what's generic. Like really tell me, we found this thing in your organization that's going to cost you your lunch. That's what a SaaS solution has to do. Make sure that you can, that you can spin it up quickly, right? It can't take four weeks to start a penetration test, right? It should take like five minutes, right? We need to test this thing that's going to go into prod tomorrow that's just come out of debt, right? So again, it's like a DevOps move, right? So integrate into that process quickly, right? Those are the kind of things you need to do. Report things as you find them. Provide context. Do remediation testing. Tell people how to fix things. That's what a SaaS solution needs to do, right? I think too much of it right now, I mean, too much of it that's going on elsewhere, it's really just vulnerability scanning or port scan. Right. I mean, here's your attack surface. Okay, cool. Here's all the devices that I own. I mean, that's useful as a sort of starting block, but it doesn't tell me what I really need to focus on. All you've done there is give the CISO, you know, 20,000 headaches. You've got all these devices. Go figure out what you've got to fix. If you do vulnerability scans alone, 
you just say, here's 50,000 vulnerabilities, go fix those. Well, which ones are important? Which ones should I be concerned about? So I think a SaaS solution really needs to be focused on what's the need of the organization you're helping, not what just seems cool to penetration testers or security engineers. You know, that was a great, that was a great answer. Um, and, and I think, you know, you touched on something as well in terms of the, the, the reporting function, right, of, of Incenter and being able to, to eliminate those stale reports. I think that is, is a key benefit as well that allows clients and, uh, you know, that, that SaaS pen testing provider like, like OccamSec in this case to kind of collaborate and work together uh, through that remediation process and validation um, checklist, if you will. But also, if you think about it, right, I mean, just from a penetration testing side, writing reports is your biggest headache, right? I mean, I've written a lot of penetration test reports, right? And that's just the thing you do. Oh, I've got to write this thing still. I just did all this cool stuff. Now I've got to write about it for a week, ah, right? I mean, right. everyone hates that part, right? And also from, from, from a client perspective, right? If you can reduce the time that's spent writing the report, you're making the client spend on the assessment just that much more effective, right? If, if, if you sort of take a four-week pen test and assume that at least three days of that are going to be spent on reporting, you can reduce that to, you know, three hours. You've just freed up the, the, the spend for those other two days to go and find more of that complicated stuff, right? And if I've automated a lot of the low-hanging stuff, and even, you know, as we're starting to do automate the harder stuff, right? Um, you're, you're, you're just being that much more cost effective, right? At a time when, you know, I mean, dollars are, you know, hard to come by for security still, right? Despite everyone saying that there's just so much more money in it, it's still a hard thing to convince the sort of your CFO to spend this much on a security solution, right? So if you can make, if you can say, I'll maximize the return you get from that, um, I think that can only be beneficial to organizations. Yeah, I hear that. And I think, you know, we do see that, hear that, don't we, when we speak to clients and in the business community, um, you know, they're becoming more mature as well and understanding, you know, what they want from. And as you say, context, I think, is is the key word there, isn't it? Um, being able to provide meaningful information and helping these teams, as you said, make you know better decisions and really supporting them with that. Um, making sure the focus is in the right areas and you know I think as well we see more and more web applications in scope for for tests and security assessments now right and going back to your point on AI I think um, you know having that human expertise when you're interacting with an application with various fields and different user roles and trying to find vulnerabilities um, with, with that kind of approach you know I think that need for traditional good old-fashioned expertise to combine that with the automated uh, approach is is ideal so i mean quite clearly mark you come from a pen testing background yourself um, running teams delivering it yourself enjoying the report writing as, as you were just telling us very much so is, is there one or two things that you've you've learned during your career that you would want to pass on yes and yeah there probably is right um I mean, I think the most important thing, and it is this really terrible cliche almost at this point, right, is that you do have to, you have to actually think about it like the bad guys, right? And I should, I should do air quotes again, right, for bad guys, because it's a stupid phrase at this point. Um, 
Yeah, and, and that's where this sort of context, I mean, this is the other side of context, right? If I'm trying to, if I'm doing a pen test against an organization, right? I think the best frame of mind to be in is what, what's, the, what's the thing that someone would want to attack this organization for, right? So what's, what's their crown jewels? How do they make their money, you know, blah, blah, blah. And more importantly, as, as the pretend bad guy, how could I actually get something productive from that penetration test? Far too often you'll, you'll see a pen test, right? You'll read a pen test report where someone basically will go against the perimeter, test an app and say, I found these 10 vulnerabilities, you know, have a nice day, go fix them, right? Um, that's useless, right? For the most part, that's useless, right? Um, what you really need to sort of say is, what, did he, what does this target company do and how could I, as the external hacker type person, how could I impact that, right? What could I do? Is it to steal someone's, you know, trade book? Is it to grab all their IP? Is it to grab MA information? Whatever it is. And I think that if you step back and you say, okay, what's the thing that this target does? That's why I go, I've got to go after. That starts to put you in a much more useful frame of mind. Because then what then follows on from that is, and this is somewhat sort of guided by the rules of engagement for a pen test is, how am I going to do that, right? Because anyone who's attacking something, right, or just trying to achieve a goal, you're going to use the, the easiest method, right? You're not going to use some super complicated, crazy zero day that you just spent two weeks you know, working on if there's a blank password on a box that you've just found, right? I mean, you'll get more points and you'll get a little bit of an ego massage if you do the zero day part. But for the client, it's like, when I found this box that had a blank password, I go onto this box, I jumped onto this box and then I stole all your data, right? Because that's what you do. I mean, we used to always joke, right? I mean, that the easiest way to get a password was just, you know, put someone in the trunk of a car and hit them with a crowbar, right? Um, because that really is the easiest way, right? I mean, you can, I mean, Obviously, that sort of grew into phishing. And, and, and if you look at the way that social engineering attack works, I mean, social engineering is based on this, these sort of basic human functions, right? Like the need to, the need for love, and the need to follow orders and the need for structure and like, you know, the need to survive, all that stuff. And you just manipulate that, right? I mean, that's what bad guys do. So I think if you're going to be good at penetration testing, you need to think about that stuff first and then worry about what technologies you're going to use. Usually the worst, worst is a strong word. Penetration testers who are somewhat limited, I think, in their career paths tend to be ones who have said, okay, I'm going to download Kali Linux. I'm going to play with some tools and I'm going to see what happens. So they'll find a target. They'll just run every single tool that they have against it, see what comes back with a finding and then say, that's the one for me to go and look at. And that's the extent of what they do. Whereas if you're confronted with, okay, this is the website that I need to breach. All right, how am I going to breach it? Well, I'm going to try and get a password. And then you start going through, well, these are the different ways that I could get a password. That's going to give you a different mental framework rather than just, I've got these five tools that I run against this website and see what they find, right? And thinking with, with that other framework is much more beneficial to a client because the client can go and run the tools themselves as well, right? I mean, every client can probably download and run Nessus, right? Or Burp Suite, right? right? Interpreting the results is a bit harder, 
but they can all go run it and say, okay, well, this found me five vulnerabilities. So I think that's a really important thing. I mean, and that ties into that whole think outside the box if we really want to stick with cliches, right? Um, but but I mean, you do. Right? I mean, most of the most of the best penetration testers that I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with, they didn't do like computer science degrees. They didn't do some sort of cybersecurity course, right? They were just creative thinking and, and smart, right? And then they just kind of applied that to this because they they weren't just thinking of, okay, this is this app and it does this thing and I just need to manipulate this thing. They were saying, this app is used for this. How can I mess with that? How do I jump around that? How do I avoid it? It's kind of like there's the story of the guys who robbed the bank in, well, they robbed the vault in Hatton Garden, I think, in London, right? And so you're confronted with a giant safe and it has this massive steel door, right? Now, if we apply this and, you know, to penetration tests, right? So I've got this giant safe. Well, what I need to do is I need to pick the lock on the safe or work out the combination, right? That's your sort of standard approach, right? And that's what most robbers would do. But what these guys did was just drill a hole in the wall next to the safe door because the wall was thinner and that's a much easier exercise. They drilled a giant hole, they went through the hole and they took all the diamonds, right? That's what you need to think about if you're doing pen testing, right? If you're doing physical security work and you come across a door, yeah, you can pick the lock, you can do that. But if there are those ceiling tiles that you can just pop up and climb over, which we've seen, you don't need to waste time, right? So I think that that creative thinking around stuff, um, I think that's really useful as well. And I mean, finally, I guess the ability to avoid sleeping is really good because you do have to work long hours. And I feel like I spent days being awake. So I think if you can skip sleep, drink a lot of coffee and still function, you'll be a rock star. <laughs> awesome. We'll appreciate that, Mark. This segment, if you will, the, as we kick off the season is drawing to an end. I guess as we do with all of our guests, I know you've had the, the floor to talk about um, our, our in-center product and sort of what's been happening with Occamsec in the last year. But is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners that you haven't uh, shared yet? Sure. I mean, I think that, I mean, from a sort of larger picture perspective, I think running a company, starting a company is really hard, right? I think that's the first thing, right? And I think that, running a company that that does what it says on the box and and is you know and is succeeding i think is really the sort of the, the manifestation of working with a really good bunch of people and i think that i've been i've been lucky in that sense right as Arkhamsec has grown i think for the most part I've, I've been able to hire people who are smarter than i am and are better at their jobs than i am um, or i could be so i think that for anyone who is going to to start a security company, because there is a lot of opportunity out there, right? I would say that the the real key to success is, is getting a good bunch of people, right? I mean, Occamsec, and clearly I'm biased, right? But I mean, Occamsec from, from the top, which is not me, the next sort of people under me, right? From that level down, everyone is is, 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 is fantastic, right? I mean, so I think that's been really good. I think that, you know, the last two and a half years were were really tricky, right, for a lot of people, right? Um, I think that we were lucky in that the, 
the camaraderie that that we have sort of helped us get through this in a way, right? I realize that work is work, right? Everyone has personal lives. But I mean, I remember being on Zoom Friday afternoon happy hours during the early days of COVID and just how that did sort of help people from keeping sort of their sanity. So I think that was good. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think finding a good team, building a good team, I think that's the the best thing that you can do in this. Um, and I think security is fun, right? I mean, I mean, I think my my sort of closing for is that I am lucky, right? I mean, for the most part, I used to, I mean, not so much now because I spend a lot of time doing admin stuff. But I mean, my job for the most part is ridiculous, right? I mean, I got to hang out of windows and pick locks and crawl across fields trying to avoid security guards and I mean, I remember being in a hotel lobby with with two of the guys on the team and we had a kind of fake ID production run going on, right? Because we were trying to breach this this oil facility and just the people in the hotel like, what are you doing, right? It's like, no, we got this and we're printing these fake IDs and there was a chap who was, you know, editing our pictures to make us look younger, which is funny because I think we all ended up looking a bit like how Homer Simpson looks when he had hair. Um, cause all three of us in that, in that instance were follically challenged. Um, so that was kind of fun. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's just a lot of city stuff that we get to do. Right. And I mean, and, and I think that doing something that you like and that I still like, and that I still kind of, you know, I'll still get out of bed and fill up beat about it. Right. I, I think that's cool. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, I know there are a lot of people and, you know, I have friends who like who don't like what they do. Right. And I think I'm lucky in that sense. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's cool. Right. I mean, I, I think that's what I would say that if you do like security, then, then dive into it. If you're in it, hopefully you're enjoying it. Hopefully you work with people that you like. Um, yeah, it's cool, right? I mean, I'm 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 curious and excited to see what what the next phase of Occamsec brings, right? I mean, clearly, the company is growing and, and, and is sort of we're, we're getting the the platform out there that we've been working on for a long time. I mean, I started the company to build this thing that I wanted to build, and I had no money, so I just started and like I'll I'll raise money by doing consulting work. Um, so it's cool, right? I mean, it's been a cool journey i guess um and yet i mean my my english pessimistic side is kind of like even you know even if it goes wrong it's still been cool right so it's still i i i feel quite quite happy in that regard and you know and it's good so yeah no it's been cool and this podcast has been fantastic i mean every other episode not not this one. <laughs> um, but yeah no so yeah so thank you for uh, for having me here um i could talk about all these things for hours but I'm sure we need to be done. So yeah, no, it's cool. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Mark, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We, you know, we definitely appreciate your insight um, and, and, you know, taking the time to, to share and discuss, you know, your thoughts around the industry and the progress of Occamsec over the last year. I mean, I remember being one of, one of the early days employees sitting down with you and in Hawaii actually, and, and talking about this, this concept and this idea. And so to see it sort of come to fruition after seven years is, is exciting for me as, as an employee as well. So, um, you know, appreciate you coming on and sharing that, that information with our listeners. Uh, we should and- add- we should add to that point. Sorry for okay. plugs. I mean, we should add that we we entirely built this ourselves, right? Let's just be clear on that, right? So 
we're not like nobody gave us you know funded as is so popular in the security world like this has all been built by Arkhamstack by the people in Arkhamstack working doing consulting work doing really good consulting work right because we kind of rise or fall by what we do um so I think the fact that we are sort of going against the, the tide a little bit, right? We're not just being blown up by someone else to exit quickly. Um, I think that makes it even cooler, actually. Sorry, I had to throw that in there, right? Because it's cool. Because I mean, you know, we all did this ourselves, right? This is cool. Yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong. You're, you're 100% right. That's, that's a great point. Um, I think as an employee, it gives you that, that extra sense of pride, right? To, to know that, that we, we did this, to your point. So... Um, to our listeners, again, thank you for, for tuning in. We've got lots of great content on LinkedIn, so be sure to follow us there. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Burned by the Firewall.